Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, none other than Ben Carollo, breakdown contributor and host of Bleep Blomp Ben. That's on Twitch. Always a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day. State of the Union interrupted by a screaming Marjorie Taylor Greene and other Republicans. Joe Biden looked unprepared, and I have a problem with that. Here it is. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. No, I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. You know, it means if, if Congress doesn't keep the programs the way they are, they'd go away. Other Republicans say, I'm not saying it's a majority of you. I don't even think it's even a significant. But it's being proposed by individuals. I'm not politely not naming them, but it's being proposed by some of you. Look, folks, the idea is that we're not going to be we're, we're not going to be moved into being threatened to default on the debt if we don't respond. This is out of damn control. Now, naturally, Marjorie Taylor Greene and the Republican cronies were out of order, no question about it. Remember, this kind of started when President Barack Obama was in office. He gave his State of the Union, a Republican yells, you liar, remember that? Okay, we are continuing the de-evolution of our political brand. So this thing goes down. It is important to note what President Biden was talking about. He was referring to your money, my money, being paid into their system called government, and then us being able to get access to our money again. Yeah. Now, according to President Biden, some Republicans have proposed to get rid of these Hallmark programs. I believe them. I believe Joe Biden is telling the truth. I think some Republicans have. As a matter of fact, Republicans are on record for actually cutting programs like this. Not a mystery what side they're on. But the reality after the proclamation should have been simple. Sharing who submitted it. As a matter of fact, if I was president of the United States, I would have already had it online. So as soon as a Republican has something to say, I would have said, go to www. wherever the hell I just posted it online. He seemed unprepared. He seemed as if he didn't know that was going to come. The Republicans were not upset at other Republicans who proposed to do something so insane against the American public. They were upset that Joe Biden brought it up. And it seems as if Biden wanted to be courteous. He wanted to be polite. So because he wants to be so polite, he's not going to share whoever 
proposed this disastrous plan. Does that make sense? No, because Mr. President, individuals are sending you proposals to get rid of these programs that help everyday Americans. Those people are against Americans. And sir, why would they send it to you? Of all people, I have a question. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the individual who decided to act exactly like she was looking that night, said this. I will tell you one thing Joe Biden did lie about. He didn't know what he was talking about a lot of the time, but he did frankly lie. Talking about Republicans and Social Security and Medicare. We have not talked about cutting Social Security and Medicare. Joe Biden has been claiming that we're gonna cut Social Security and Medicare, but we're not. So we called him out on the House floor. I called him a liar because that's what Joe Biden is. Either he doesn't know what he's talking about or he's just flat out lying. President Biden, this is why we need names, sir. We need names. You could have polarized them. There's a strategy, a style connected to politics. You signed up for this job, you're in the industry, you know how to execute, you understand the game. In that moment, you could have polarized them with a simple thing. It is called truth and facts. You could have won it with truth and facts in that moment. Now, overall, the speech was okay. Not heavy on the deliverables, in my opinion, but it also highlighted this reality. Democrats do have winning messages, they just don't know how to do it. They do have winning strategies, they just do not implement. All right, let's go ahead and get into the shenanigans. Even before the State of the Union, Marjorie Taylor Greene was doing this. Let's put it up full mass. Yes, walking around with a big white balloon. She appeared ready with a State of the Union stunt on Tuesday, patrolling the halls of Congress with a large white balloon in reference to Republican criticism of the Joe Biden debacle connected to the Chinese spy balloon. Uh, I do believe the administration lacked precision on that. Just an innocent white balloon, everybody, the Georgia extremist said hours before Biden's address to Congress. Attempting to keep aloft the balloon saga, which ended when it was shot down off the Carolinas, that was Saturday. Green did not discuss, however, the Pentagon and their disclosure that three, count them, three Chinese balloons passed over the US during the presidency of Donald Trump. Only for the Trump administration to fail to spot them. Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, told reporters earlier improvements to surveillance under Biden enhanced our capacity to be able to detect things that the Trump administration was unable to detect. Let's put Marjorie Taylor Greene's picture up again. I wanna show you a contrast in strategy. You see that? She's doing that because she has no solutions. She has no policy agenda to push. She has nothing that people actually like from her office, none. But she does have the style that they like. She does submit insanity on top of insanity. And when you have indoctrinated a particular political class, 
to think that is a solution, that is helpful, then you continue to feed them. They have lowered the bar so much that people who support them don't talk about policy anymore. Remember, Republicans stopped talking about policy a long time ago. Now, those who support them barely talk about policy themselves. They talk about things like that. All right, uh, McCarthy accused Biden of deliberately, intentionally trying to elicit angry reactions from Republicans. Isn't that something? But he also said Republicans needed to do a better job of resisting the temptation to lash out. He tries to use that for a political ploy. But the one thing we need to be is we need to be smart, he said. We need to be smart, don't take the bait, stay with the American public about what we want to do. Interesting, Um, McCarthy is blaming Biden. Biden stumbled into that, everyone knows it. Okay, this was not some strategy that Biden created. I wish it was, but it wasn't, it was a fumble. McCarthy understanding that most Americans are sick and tired of the Trump style of politics, realizes that Marjorie Taylor Greene may actually start to create dissension between Republicans and voters. It is fascinating. I do think this was a missed opportunity in that moment. But we have someone who can talk about the Chinese spy balloon and this as well. Ben, I got questions, all right? So number one, how in the hell did an aircraft from China come over the ocean, get into our airspace and over our land without being shot down over the water first? And two, what could Biden have done in that moment to put the emphasis back on Republicans for their adversarial stance against everyday America. Yeah, most definitely. Okay, so I guess let's start with the balloon. I genuinely do not think it was a spy balloon. I, I look as somebody that has worked in the intel community before. Like my guess is that somebody saw it randomly, thought it was suspicious, and just said, "Oh, probable spy balloon" or something along those lines. It said, "Oh, it could be." Um, and then you know, higher ups decided to make an international incident out of it. Um, from what I've seen, there's no real reason to believe it was anything other than like a typical like weather balloon. Like because a balloons are really hard to control, especially like up in the jet stream. Like if you're talking like 66,000 feet, it's literally even above the ozone layer, right? And so it's it's very very high up. It's very very high up, uh, and that's not something that you can like very easily control. And so like we just also know that there's like a lot of like scientific like experiments that are really useful to do up in the atmosphere to monitor like climate change and stuff like that. So like in this instance, I actually think that China is the more trustworthy source when they say it's a weather mm. balloon simply because like we have satellites and they have satellites. Why would they put something within our airspace that could be shot down in the first place? So my guess is is that the reason why these things weren't like you know a big international incident before is just because people just assumed that they were weather balloons because that is what makes the most amount of sense. I mean, once again, if you can't control the balloon, then you're not gonna get imagery of a particular area. You're just gonna get random imagery like over a line of the country. So it just doesn't make any sense. So that's that's just like a random aside with like the balloon thing. And so that's kind of why I think there's a bigger deal there. And I actually think that Biden fumbled it a little bit by like pressing so hard and like saying, oh, it's a spy balloon, spy balloon, and leaning into that instead of being like, 
no, this doesn't really make any sense. But I get it. Like from an official government standpoint, we don't like to admit that we spy on people, and other like we don't like to admit that other countries are spying on us. We all know though, everybody's spying on each other, and like you know, that's just the reality of the world. Uh, like you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like that, that's yeah. just the reality of the world. Um, uh, but when it comes to like Joe Biden's response to like getting heckled by these Republicans, I mean like. It's not that Joe Biden's incapable of responding to hecklers, right? Like let, we we saw Joe Biden on the campaign trail when you had Black Lives Matter protesters, uh, when you had like indigenous folks, when you had like um, undocumented folks like coming to Joe Biden saying, what are you gonna do about these things? He was like, listen up here, Jack, you know, you're <laughs> this, that and the other thing. Right. right? Where's that energy for the Republicans, right? Where's he like, listen up here, Jack. I saw the bill that you put that, that would like replace all income taxes with a sales tax. That would have destroyed Social Security. That would have destroyed Medicare. You know exactly what you're doing. Like that's what should have happened. One of the cops charged with the murder of Mr. Tyree Nichols sent his lifeless body via text message to multiple people. Put up his picture for a mask. It's a damn shame. Former Memphis cop Demetrius Haley, one of the fired and charged officers. Also took at least one photo of the victim after the brutal attack and texted that photo to at least six people who are currently unidentified. Officer Haley was fired in the days after Nichols died from his injuries, sustained because of a traffic stop on January 10th. Let me give you background. The Memphis Commercial Appeal on Tuesday first reported the latest developments and cited a police statement about the violent traffic stop on January 7th. From the Commercial Appeal, it says the statement, which was obtained through a public records request to the peace officer standards and training, was sent by the Memphis Police Department in its request to have now former officers uh, Tadarius Bean. Haley, Justin Smith, Desmond Mills, and uh, Emmett Martin III decertified. On Haley's personal cell, Officer Haley took two photographs while standing in front of the obviously injured suspect after he was handcuffed. The document read, Haley admitted he shared the photo in a text message with five people, one civilian employee, two MPD officers and one female acquaintance. The memo goes on to say a six person was later found to have received the same photograph. Now, what do you think is going on here? Who do you think he's sending the photographs to? He's sending the photographs to other cops. He's sending the photographs to individuals that he wants to brag with about his trophy which happens to be an unarmed black male that presented no threat. You see this once again is a cultural dynamic. Was he texting people to help him cover it up? Did he text individuals who would be in charge of maybe perhaps prosecuting something like this? We don't know presently, but we do know he took that opportunity 
to send text messages to people who he believed at least would find some level of amusement from a body beaten, bloody on the ground that's sick. These are the individuals patrolling our streets, ladies and gentlemen. Ithaca, New York gave an exhaustive psychological evaluation to everyone who passed their basic training under the leadership of their former mayor. Their former mayor came right here on this show and said 75% of those soon to be cops all failed their psychological evaluation and were not allowed to join the force. What does that say? That says perhaps 75% of officers should not be officers in this country. There's more. The new report at least partially confirms suspicions that photos were taken of Nichols as cops took turns delivering punches and kicks to the restrained 29 year old male. Body cam video from the police violence on that day showed what appeared to be an officer using a cell phone to take a photo of Nichols while he was leaning up against a police car. Prior to Tuesday's report, there was speculation on social media that officers, plural, were taking photos of Nichols during the beating. So literally, the rumor mill was correct on this one. There's more. The latest update in an investigation that appears to be widening in scope came nearly one week after Nichols' funeral was held in Memphis, where his friends and family alongside civil rights leaders echo calls for federal police reform, specifically the George Floyd Policing and Accountability Act. At least 13 Memphis police employees have been disciplined for their various roles in the beating. At least six other now former officers who have been fired. Haley is among the five former officers who have been charged with second degree murder. This is all sick. This is all sick. It's all cultural and sick. Now, this police department is obviously rotten to the core. You cannot train yourself out of corruption. Doesn't work. That's a culture. If you give them training, they will simply figure out a way to manipulate circumstances to try and not get caught again. You cannot train yourself out of this kind of darkness and dysfunction. And as long as we continue to contextualize these issues as if, oh, these are just a few bad cops out of a lot of good cops. Really? Remember on day one when I said my person in Memphis told me that around 12 cops were actually at the scene? And he said all 12 cops were either aware of what was going to happen or they knew what these cops had in mind and possibly what was going to happen. The bottom line is all of them were okay with it, all right? They were all okay with it. Who brags about something like this? What kind of heart do you lack to engage in this kind of insanity when you have a position of public trust, something that's actually sacred? You have now made deplorable. The industry of policing being judged adversely is partly because of corrupt people like we see today, but it's also partly because of the leadership 
and the colleagues who are silent, who provide cover for them. Evil does not permeate because bad people simply do bad things. It's because good people sit back and do nothing. Ben, thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, this story is just absolutely heartbreaking and deeply infuriating, right? Well, like, because look, when I was in the military, I worked with drones. I've seen a lot of horrible stuff, right? And I've seen, in a sense, what is exactly the same thing, where like there are people who take pride in causing death. And there are people who would like, they'll take videos, they'll take screenshots, they'll like keep it right somewhere where they can keep going back to it. Because for whatever reason, they're just super proud about literally taking somebody else's life. And like fundamentally, it's, it's, it is this culture. And like the unfortunate reality is, is that this culture within the military or within the police, right? I mean, honestly, both um, is structured in such a way that like the structure of the system itself is, is reinforcing that culture. And the unfortunate reality is, is when we do coverage like this and we talk about these things and police departments across the country and police officers across the country respond with these like blue lives matter flags. And when they respond with like, oh, how dare you, you know, the woke mob is coming to cancel police officers or something or like, oh, you're all terrible. They're basically in like, they're basically trying to convert the coverage that we do about innocent people losing their lives into recruiting campaigns for the worst human beings on earth to see this, to see that this is a regular thing to say, hey, look, this is what police officers are getting away with. This is what this is what police officers are doing on a regular basis. They're not even saying that we're lying about their culture, right? right. Well, they're not even saying that we're lying about what they're doing, right? They're just saying that we should just accept it, that, that we should just accept that this is the country that we live in. We should just accept that this is how police officers are supposed to work. And this is why fundamentally, like as you know, as much as the Justice in Policing Act does, the George Floyd Act does, like it doesn't go anywhere near far enough. To fundamentally restructure how safety even works in this country. Because like without like putting in place real structural components to intervene in specific police officers getting hired, in disciplinary actions for police officers, in all of these different things, without fundamentally taking autonomy and power away from police departments, this will continue to fester. Because you're right, there's no training that's gonna change this. There's no procedure that's gonna change this. Police officers break procedure all the time. Procedure is meaningless. If you're like a well-intentioned politician, you can write all the best procedure in the world. You can you can draw up the perfect procedure. But fundamentally, if the structure internally to the system is not designed in such a way that will actually enforce that procedure, then it's irrelevant. Then, then it's irrelevant and it's meaningless. And so fundamentally, we need like huge structural reforms. And this personally is why I'm an abolitionist. Doesn't mean all police are gone tomorrow, but it does mean that we take money away from police departments, power away from police departments, and reorganize it to things that are more effective, right? Yeah. This was a traffic stop. This was a traffic stop, right? What why can't we just have speed cameras? Why can't we just have speed cameras? Right? Yeah. Like, and like there's just so many layers to this, but it, it, it and and like it's deeply infuriating because it, it just shows you like the sick and twisted nature of the types of people that become police officers, where they see a literal, it's like they see someone's body, and their instinct is to take a picture and send it to their friends and their coworkers. It's sickening. Extremely. And if you believe public safety <clears throat> has to do with policing in your local community, they have already fooled you. Uh, please keep in mind, your police department is one of the least effective dynamics to actually 
stop or prevent crime in all of your governmental areas. You have a lot of opportunity to expand budgets and protocol within non-policing roles that actually would create public safety in your community. We first brought you the story of a man in Walmart who had a police called on him. They misidentified him. They still arrested him. We covered the story first. We brought him on the show. Now his charges are dropped. I'm going to remind you of the incident that went viral. Here it is. Here. That's not bad. A year? Yeah, so you can't come back. That was like 10, 15 years There's ago. No what are you that. talking about? There's no limit on that. When we are grocery shopping. What are you talking about? You're trespassing the store. You're not allowed to be here, all right? It said Let 10, 15 go. years ago. No. Let's go. Where are you taking him? What the? Where are you taking him? Well, wants you trespass as well, so let's go. For what? For grocery oh, shopping? That, that guy right there no, for look, being trespassed. For that, grocery shopping? Hey, look, record him right there. So the trespass has been confirmed. He has been trespassed here actually this year. So he will not be staying here. He's going to be going to jail tonight. I need you to get in the car and drive away because if you come back here, you're going to also be going to jail for trespass, okay? This is disgusting. I'm sorry you feel that way. I I'm, think I'm literally going to go into seizure. If you go into seizure, let me know. I'll have EMS come out. He went to jail for absolutely nothing. The security guard, loss prevention guy at Walmart, uh, called 911 and said, no, 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 no. This is the guy. He gave a name. Gave a description, said he was in the store earlier. He had already been trespassed that year. Well, he was wrong. That was not the person. And if the officer would have done one simple thing, sir, can I see your identification, please? If he would have posed that question, he would have seen clearly the individual that the security guard thought he was. He was not. But it did not go down that way. They assumed that the white male who works at Walmart, was simply right and did not care about evidence being presented. We got the 911 call. And so we clearly heard the security guard double down that this was a particular person. Now, after this happened, uh, let me go to the uh, Walmart security call. Let's go to it. Good Sheriff's Office, Operative 43, the phone's recording. Okay, tell me exactly what happened. There's an Asian male in the store right now. His name is Cody Vonderlin. He is trespassed from the store. He is not allowed to be here. And he also tends to be violent and carries weapons. What is he wearing? I I did not get a great look at him. I think it's like a blue long sleeve shirt and a backwards hat. I didn't want to make eye contact with him because he's very aggressive and he knows who I am. Okay, give me one moment to know that. Okay, Julie Emmer's calls with dispatch, sorry. Yeah, he's looking for you. Where is he? <laughs> he's looking for me? Yeah, he's standing at Rusty's shop and he's standing in Action Alley looking around looking for you. Yeah, this guy's got to gotta get arrested. I'm tired. He can't be in here. This guy absolutely sucks. Okay, you said he's very aggressive and he carries weapons. 
he tends to carry knives on his person, yes. And he is very confrontational, very aggressive. Okay. I'm still looking around for you. Does he have a vehicle? Um, the last time he was here, he was also trespassing. He came in like a giant Hummer with a trailer on it. I did not see what car he arrived in today. All right, let me say for the record, that is one scary ass security guard. Now let's put up the couple, the happy couple in a happy moment with a happy picture. Tony Wynn is the man who got charged, all right? Tony Wynn. Tony came to the bullpen. We had a discussion about what happened after we provided the exclusive report. I spoke to Tony after that interview. I connected Tony by his request with an attorney, civil rights attorney, Harry Daniels. Let me give you some background. Tony's attorney, Harry Daniels said the mistreatment of Tony Wynn by Walmart is the epitome of racial profiling. The charge was brought in an attempt to whitewash the original unlawful arrest. It's baseless and malicious. That's why the charge was dismissed. We will be filing suit against Walmart and the deputy soon. Here is uh, Tony with his girlfriend again, uh, Lauren Caldwell. She actually is the one who filmed the incident. She was also trespassed from the Walmart on November 27th. He didn't know they had their eye on him since he entered the store. Here is the comparison with Cody. So the security guard thought those two people are the same. They are not. Tony told Indisputable he confirmed a no info from the DA, which he called the court clerk's office yesterday. Here's a copy of the discharge paper. We have it right there. They tried to quietly do away with this. In December, Indisputable reached the Walmart security guard who made the phone call. So we talked to him. We said, hey, guy, you made a mistake here, right? You want to apologize to Mr. Wynn? Security guard said, and I quote, quote, Cody is somebody I have dealt with in the past. And he is known to carry knives. That's why I mentioned knives, okay? Now, the gentleman in the store was aggressive. He was threatening me the last time he was in the store, which is why I called the police to begin with. <laughs> oh, so he's saying, oh, well, 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 the other guy threatened me too, right? They both threatened me. Okay. All right. Tony disputes the guard's account. He says he was looking at toys and Christmas decorations for only a few minutes when he was stopped by loss prevention. Uh, Hernando County Sheriff's Public Information Officer cannot be reached for comment today. However, in our earlier reporting, a representative of the office denied the incident was racial profiling. I'm going to give you this quote they gave us, all right? It says the gentleman was uh, trespassed from the exact location where he was placed under arrest. And he was trespassed in the year uh, 2013. 2013. That has not been rescinded. Therefore, it's still active. And we're obligated to act upon that if he's on the premises when we're there, all right? Now, let me explain this. Back in 2013, and for those who are willing, you can look at the direct interview with Mr. Wynn. In 2013, Mr. Wynn had dental work done. He went into the Walmart and was acting loopy. And he was 
uh, trespassed out of that Walmart. It was a one year trespass according to Mr. Wynn. Mr. Wynn has gone to that Walmart multiple times every year, even has a Walmart card from that particular Walmart. Now many judges, they have determined that if a business, if a commercial business gives you a trespass, um, however, you come back and they transact the business with you. They cannot then say, ah, 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 on the fifth transaction, uh, you are trespassing, you cannot come here. The action of commerce for most judges will eliminate whatever protocol of trespass has been issued. You have engaged in a behavior that says you are now invited back into this commercial space. That's how judges typically chop it up. Now, the police are saying, oh, well, well, you know, he was trespassed in 2013, so we're still right and he's wrong, okay? Just trying to cover their ass. So she agreed that he was confused uh, for another Asian man. Uh, Tony seems to be going on the premise that we arrested him thinking that he was someone else. <laughs> yeah, that's what the security guard said. So I don't know where the other name came from or why there's a confused identity. But this man was trespassed from that store. Once again, trying to cover their asses. Oh, I, no, 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 we, we knew it was the right guy. Yeah, he said, Cody, he just messed the name, that's all. All right, charges have been dropped, uh, justice will be served. Harry Daniels has a team of civil rights attorneys um, and Mr. Wynn, well, I'm sure he's smiling. All right, Ben, thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, like, first and foremost, like, come on, that's like the most obvious example of racism I've ever seen in my life, right? Like, those two people didn't look anything like each other. Like, that security guard just saw an Asian man and freaked out and then tried to justify his freaking out by retconning his, like, belief about the interaction saying that he was aggressive. It seemed like he was just, even with the police officer as he's being arrested, he seemed like, Wait, what's going on? Like he seemed like the opposite of arrested and like literally like or the opposite of aggressive, right? And mm -hmm. when he was getting in the police vehicle, he said, Hey, like I might have like a seizure, right? And like he said that very calmly, right? Like I I can't say that I would be that calm. And then going back to the original, like the incident like 10 years ago, I mean, like being loopy after a dentist appointment, like come on. Like you cannot tell me that if a white woman shows up at Walmart and she's loopy because she just got out of the dentist, that they're not just gonna escort her out of the building and not throw trespass on her, yeah. right? Like, let's be real. Like, like let's even let's just live in the real world for a minute, okay? So, like, I I think racism definitely had to play in that first incident ten years ago uh, already. And so, like, but this is just like a classic tale, right? This is just a classic tale where. Like literally, somebody, a white person sees somebody that isn't white, they get scared, and then they like create this ridiculous fantasy scenario in order to justify their fear that was ultimately just rooted in racism. And it's hard to separate this from the larger context of what's going on right now, where the truth of the matter is, like the Joe Biden administration and like, you know, the entire political like punditry today keeps like riling up all of this fear about China in a way that is like very, very racially coded. There's so much racial undertones to all of this fear mongering about China. And it's something that even these well-intentioned like centrists and liberals uh, 
tend to keep pushing themselves too. And so there's been a rise in like anti-Asian hate crimes, especially since coronavirus started. And so like fundamentally at the end of the day, on the individual level, this is a perfect example of like very obvious blatant racism. Like it just, it's, it couldn't be more cut and dry in my opinion, but then also reflects a larger trend of what's going on in this country. Very well said. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a In Sunday? You're going to feel free! Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. You need to knock it off. Take as many pictures as you want. I'm telling you, you're going to go to hell if you keep it up. Change your ways. I'm only saying it for your sake. I'm not saying it for mine. Well, that's I'm your opinion, and I respect your opinion, but you can shove your opinion up your ass respectfully. Yeah. I have no idea. All I can say is Holy Ghost. Mm. Now go sit back down. <laughs> All right, let's put this picture up for a mask. Let me say something. First of all, anyone who wears shades, but will pull them down in order to look at you, not through the shade, doesn't realize they can just take the damn shades off. You cannot take advice from a person like that. Here's the insanity, ladies and gentlemen. Um, walking up to individuals who are simply living, existing, minding their business, living their life, walking up to them to tell them that you care. So you're going to criticize them, you don't know them, you don't love them, you don't respect them, you don't care. You see, people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. This disconnect is there all the time. Individuals who may have a different point of view than you and me, instead of engaging in a thoughtful conversation, create relationship, connection, they rather just correct you for something that's not even wrong. But why? Well, typically these individuals feel as if the only way they are relevant, the only way they are big, strong, powerful is by othering. All right, Ben, thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I guess the first thing I'll say is like, who is Jesus friends with? Jesus was friends with with literally like he was friends with criminals and sex workers and fishermen, right? So like if Jesus was running around today, he would be buddies with like girls and like McDonald's workers, okay? Oh. Like straight up. Like so and it's just so funny because these people don't follow their own rules. Like let's just be real. I mean literally like I mean like I'm not here to preach but also at the same time like Jesus literally had people come up to him and he's like what do you, what do I need to do? What do I need to do for salvation? And he's like okay, first step, give everything that you have to the poor and dedicate your life to helping people. And they were like, okay, but is there anything else I can do? Right. And Jesus was like, no. That's the first step, step number 1. And and but like these people, right? It's like, come on, take the stick out of your own eye. Like deal with your own life. If you think that somebody being gay is a sin, like 
okay, then you don't be gay for yourself, I guess. I don't know. I personally, if you're gay, you're gay. Be happy. Go live a gay life, right? There's nothing wrong with that, right? Because I think the most important thing is that we find love and joy in our lives and we try to bring love and joy to other people's lives. And like fundamentally, if your religion is not only getting in your way of that, but also you're getting in other people's way of that, I think you just need to reevaluate your own relationship with your belief system to like, you know, fit yourself in a way that you can actually truly be happy. And so, like all that aside, like it is just weird to see this happening. Like, what year is this? Like, are we yeah. are we like like we have satanic panic right now? We have like they're like all this like anti-gay stuff, all this anti-trans stuff, and it's like it's just so wild to see this like like unraveling where like people are just trying to bring up this like really old homophobia and it's just like calm down like for the love of god calm down and just let people live their lives like literally what is wrong with you <laughs> i'm glad you brought up some scripture context I, and i know a little bit about your faith background and i will remind everyone of this scripture says god is love which means love is god scripture also says judge not you should not be judged scripture illuminates what Jesus said himself, Yahshua never talked about the items that are now front and center with the Christian evangelical movement. Um, I do think there's an awakening that's happening, maybe not on the Republican brand or the Republican side of Christianity, uh, but definitely outside of it. An update, autopsy reveals the activist who was killed in Georgia, the environmentalist, was actually shot 13 times. Now, that is a contrary narrative to what we were led to believe in the beginning. I'm gonna give you some significant background nuance and some highlight. Let's put up the picture, the young man who was killed, 26 year old, Manuel Tarrant. The environmentalist killed by police in Atlanta. Now, where was he killed? This was the cop city development. I'm going to explain what that means. It was in Atlanta South River Forest near the planned site of cop city. This is a training facility addressed the public for the first time Monday to ask for transparency. The family wants transparency in the investigation. His killing happened amid an escalation of police repression against cop city protesters, which has resulted in at least 19 people being charged with domestic terrorism since December. Now they accused the environmentalist of shooting without warning, wounding a trooper before several other officers returned fire. Now I'm going to tell you why we are more than concerned about the narrative. Number one, you had four, possibly five different police agencies doing an operation called the clearing operation. The clearing operation. What are they clearing? They're clearing the way for rich people. Developers, developers who landed the contract to build Cop City. That's what these five agencies were there to clear, people in the way of money. I know they say, well, development, et cetera, it was money. The folks who got these contracts are connected to the politicians who approved it. There was no 
public appetite for this to happen. It was artificially created. We need a cop city. Okay, community said, no, not really, we don't need this. Activists went to Atlanta City Council. No, we don't really need this. We can do something else with this money. Environmentalists said, no, we need to protect the forest. We can do something much better with taxpayer dollars. But the city, along with other partners, continued to push forward without significant buy-in from the community and without any buy-in from the activist class. Now, I've been in touch, obviously, with all activists involved. I'm in Atlanta, and when this first happened, we were sure that video cam footage existed. Why? Because virtually all of the departments who were there, part of this coalition, this operation, they're mandated by their government, by their local government, DeKalb County, City of Atlanta, et cetera, they're mandated to wear body cameras. So naturally, if somebody's dead, <clears throat> excuse me, we assume the footage is going to come out. Well, the one agency where the law does not apply happens to be the Georgia State Police, the state troopers. They are immune to the law of a mandated body cam. And according to their narrative, it was the state trooper who pulled the trigger. We were left to believe that only one officer returned fire and all of the other officers from all of the other jurisdictions who are mandated to wear their body camera, they simply were not close enough for any footage to be caught. We have a lot of questions. You know it's an operation, even though the state police, they don't have a mandate, they do have to wear body cameras if they go to the United to the Georgia Capitol. That is a law. Yeah. So that law works for politicians. But they don't want it anywhere else. No other agency can provide more information. This is why people, this is why individuals are upset. The police have earned the distrust they currently experience. They earned it, all right? There's more. Uh, let's put up the weapon uh, that they claim. Uh, Mr. Tyrion used. Uh, Tyrion is accused of shooting without warning. This right here, uh, before several officers return fire. The GBI says it has tied the bullet that struck the trooper to this gun found at the scene and provided documents showing Tyrion had purchased the same gun September 2020. While some details about the January 18th killing have slowly emerged, Lawyers representing the family said the family has yet to receive a response of any kind from the GBI, Georgia Bureau of Investigation, about the details surrounding the death. On January 30th, the family hand delivered a letter to the GBI requesting a meeting with the agency, attorney Brian Spears said. The letter was delivered in hope of receiving an explanation of the details that led to the killing. But it has gone unanswered. Lawyers representing the family have now petitioned the GBI to release audio and video from any agencies involved. We're talking about this multi-jurisdictional coalition. 
while Georgia State Patrol troopers are not required to wear body worn cameras, other agencies present for the raid are equipped with them. The GBI has said that no other body worn camera footage from that day is available. Lawyers also posed the question. They said, listen, we want the drone surveillance camera footage from the site, but have not gotten a response, Spears said. The calls for transparency come after an independent autopsy, which lawyers said was completed last Tuesday, revealed the man they killed was shot at least 13 times by multiple cops. To date, there has not been a full accounting of the events surrounding the killing of an environmentalist that everyone says was not aggressive. The GBI has cited its ongoing investigation into the killing as a reason to withhold information about January's deadly raid. But Spears contended that there's no reason to keep the information private since the state cannot bring charges against the dead person. Let me be very clear. I know the rules of engagement here. There's no case. The individual who should have received due process creating a constitutionally mandated judicial case is dead. You killed him. So what investigation are we referring to, gentlemen? What investigation is ongoing? You see, this was simple, real simple. You knew the operation was going to start, you planned for it. Hell, you possibly even trained for it. You coordinated with multiple agencies. And all of a sudden, there's a dead environmentalist. There's no video, there's no surveillance, even though you all had drones and everything else out there. 90% of the police agencies involved all had cameras. And even though there's no body camera for the state police, they are required to have a camera inside of the vehicle. Damn it, where is the video? We believed in good faith that the least you all would have done is provided the bare minimum transparency for this dead 26 year old. Bare minimum, the family is suffering. Communities are becoming more and more distrustful, not because of them, but because of you. Because of you, this was simple. If your actions are righteous, you make sure that there's plenty of footage available. Something doesn't smell right here. Something does not smell right. All right, Ben, thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, this is just really heartbreaking. And it really speaks to like the shamelessness of a lot of these police departments, because this is something that this actually reminds me of, I believe it was Winston Smith. And I I greatly apologize if I got his name wrong, because Minneapolis police officers have killed a lot of people in the past couple of years. But if I remember correctly, it was a joint task force that that killed Winston Smith. And they said they didn't have any body cam footage because even though they were like Minneapolis police department officers that were working there, because it was a joint task force, there's a special different operation rules. And this feels like exactly the same type of thing where like they intentionally, now this is something you need to understand, right? They intentionally separate responsibility and authority from each other. And they also yep. at the same time uh, create these bureaucratic like loopholes so that they could say like, oh, well, this person's responsible, but they don't actually have any authority because they're, you know, they're they're not really the, the person that was in charge. The person that was in charge was, was over here and they didn't really know what's going on. And so I guess it's nobody's fault then. I guess it's nobody's fault. 
And there's a lot of that like just throughout our society in general. Um, but especially when it comes like police officers, where they intentionally create these ambiguous workplace environments so that you can have that degree of uncertainty. Like it's something that they do on purpose, right? Did they need state troopers there? No. Did they bring state troopers there because they knew it would give them an excuse to not have body cam footage? I cannot say that with 100% certainty, but knowing how police operate, I would say probably. That seems like a very likely reality um, that they didn't want body cam footage and they wanted an excuse to not have body cam footage for something like this. Because why else would they bring in the state troopers, right? And so like all of these things are just really important elements to understand when we talk about this because like fundamentally, it's more than just one police department. It's more than just, you know, like these like individual cops. It is systemic, right? It is the entire approach that the United States has towards policing. I mean, literally, to my understanding, some of these people who were given trespass charges, right? Some of these actives who were given trespass charges, they wanted to throw terrorism charges on top of the trespass. And all they had was trespass with terrorism, like they're terroristically trespassing. Like we're really gonna put People trespassing in the same category as the people that did 9-11. That's like, mm-hmm. well, that's not what we're doing right now, okay? We're gonna pretend that climate activists are are doing 9-11 by sitting in the trees. Like it's just like it's just sickening, right? It's just sickening the shamelessness. And the fact that they haven't released the video does raise suspicion because like fundamentally, like if you're somebody that works in the media and you sit and you see, oh, they say that he had a gun. Even if they have a gun there on the spot, like we need to recognize something that's really important. Police officers lie. Police officers lie all the time. And occasionally they get caught, right? I think it was a couple of years ago, a police officer in New York City got caught planting a gun on somebody and planting drugs on somebody, right? So like, like you can say, hey, there's uncertainty around this, but it would be irresponsible, I think, to say that with absolute certainty, what the police said is true, right? Especially in instances like this, right? And if anyone criticizes us for saying something doesn't smell right, please understand the reason why distrust exists is not because of the community; it is because of cops lied and betrayed the trust we gave them. That is why we need answers. All right. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Family sues, cop and district for this. Put up a picture, you will see an officer with his knee on the neck of a 12 year old girl. A federal lawsuit was filed Monday against the Kenosha Unified School District, city of Kenosha, and a Kenosha police officer on behalf of a 12 year old girl and her father. In March, 2022, off duty officer Sean Getschow tried to stop a fight between the victim and another student and put his knee on the 12 year old girl's neck. He did this for more than 20 seconds. He resigned from his role with the school a few days following the incident. In a statement Tuesday, the Kenosha Police Department confirmed that this officer is still an active officer with the department. He was placed on administrative leave pending the outcome of three separate investigations. However, the department found this cop did not violate anyone's 
civil rights. Nor did he commit a crime and he was returned to active duty last week. Regarding the lawsuit, the department chose uh, chose to withhold any statement or comment regarding the matter. Let's put up this individual, it's really interesting, okay? According to the complaint filed by the attorney, uh, his name is Drew, Drew Davini. Perez's daughter could not breathe while the cop had his knee on her neck. She suffered both physical and mental trauma. Remember, 12 years of age, 12. And as a result of the incident, decided to change schools. The girl now resides with Perez in Illinois. Perez's daughter has been treated for nearly a year for the physical and emotional injuries that she sustained. Although she is not healed yet from her trauma, she is ready to stand it for herself, said the attorney. Uh, Davini also said the Kenosha County DA's office, uh, ran by this guy, Michael Gravelli, declined to press charges, but originally charged who? Oh, the 12 year old. Yeah, the DA charged the child. Uh, the attorney said there was never a conviction and that case is in fact closed. Just doing something to scare children into not standing up for themselves when a cop is a criminal against them. That's typically the strategy. Uh, so this obviously is a horrific situation. It is moving in the direction obviously of the civil court procedure. But listen, if it is okay for a cop to put his knee on a 12 year old juvenile in that manner, three agencies investigate him and they clear him. The DA says, "Oh no, we're not charging the cop. We're charging the 12 year old. For anyone to believe this is a normative exchange of values here, you're lost, you're lost. Should not matter the race. The situation is what it is, it's wrong. Dan, thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's important that people understand, like why would they put a charges on a 12 year old? Right. Police officers in the United States have a long standing history of using charges as an intimidation tactic, especially in situations like this where they know they're in the wrong. I mean, like literally the United States of one of, is one of very, very few countries where it is actually regular practice for police interrogators to threaten to investigate your family unless you take a plea bargain. That's yep. like a normal like interrogation tactic that is used in the United States. So just to get the sense of how shameless these people are. But like when you look at that picture, right? And you hear what happened, it's hard not to see how that, like I don't understand, how is that not felony assault? How is that not child endangerment? These seemed like pretty obvious crimes to me. Um, you know, so how I don't understand the decisions that they're making. It's kind of funny how the police department decided that one of their own uh, co-workers isn't 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 a criminal. It's just it's just funny how it's always internal like that. It's really amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and so like, but this is just the shamelessness that like not even children are safe. I mean, because yeah, I get it. Like if two 12 year olds are in a fight in like a middle school or whatever, right? That's like annoying to deal with, and you have to like figure out how to like get the kids to like not be fighting each other. But if you want to teach children that violence is not the answer, you don't commit acts of violence against them to get them to stop what they're doing. That is actually going to teach them the opposite lesson while also traumatizing them. Okay. And so like it's just shameless and evil that this is something that happens in our country, honestly, with more regularity than 
it should. Yep, and it teaches children that if you are a certain person, you can get away with abusing children. Very sad. All right, unarmed black male shot dead by the police. Let's put up the picture. Shreveport, Louisiana, Alonzo Bagley was 43 years of age. Shot dead by the police after neighbors called 911 to complain about music. Music, music coming from the apartment. They said it was just too loud. Officials said they did not locate any weapons near or on the person of Mr. Bagley. Remember, I've said often, you call the police, you are calling a gun. That's what you're doing. A gun can end up killing another person. So the 911 call was about loud music. Let me give you the background. February 3rd at about 10:51 p.m. two Shreveport police officers arrived at the Villa North apartment complex in response to the complaint which the family says was over loud music. And police described it as a domestic disturbance call. Police say at some point during their response at the apartment, Bagley jumped to the ground from the second story attempting to flee. Following a short foot pursuit, SPD officer Alexander Tyler located Mr. Bagley as he rounded a building corner and fired one shot from his service weapon. And why is he shooting? Uh, which struck Mr. Bagley in the chest, police said. Bagley was transported to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. SPD officer Alexander Tyler, 23, has been placed on administrative leave per protocol while the investigation into the officer involved shooting is completed. Tyler was hired by the Shreveport Police Department May of 2021. Uh, let's put up the guy in charge, all right? During a press conference, Louisiana State Police Superintendent Colonel Lamar Davis said police would release body and dash cam video as soon as possible. He also asked for patience from the community while the investigation continues. Um, I'm not hearing things that we should hear if a cop puts a bullet inside of a human being, such as imminent threat, had no choice, was going to harm somebody else or myself, was armed. None of that, but he's dead. Why is he dead? Why were you shooting at him? This is the reality of an industry that attracts individuals because they believe that this industry will protect them even in murder. What do you think would happen? What did you think was going to go down when you created an enterprise known as policing and then protected those that betrayed the public trust? You attracted those who are willing to betray the public trust from day one. Ben, thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, this is just like, I mean, it's over loud music. I mean, like, are people that afraid of their neighbors? Like, are you literally that terrified of your neighbors that? Loud music is really good and call leads you to 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 call the police. And like like let's let's pretend the world that we live in a world where everybody's terrified of their neighbors or whatever. And when you need a government employee to go for you because you know you're a child and you can't do things for yourself, right? Maybe perhaps, right? 
a better program than sending a man with a literal gun would literally be to just pay retirees like an extra bit of money where like if there's a noise complaint in the building or in the neighborhood, right? To say like, okay, well, you know, have have the neighborhood like person or whatever show up and knock on their door and just say, hey, I think the music's too loud. I just got a call. Uh, would you mind turning your music down a little bit? And like, that's it. That's the end of it. But instead of having that, we have a system that by default either is nothing or a man with a gun comes and threatens somebody's life. And in this instance, literally kills someone. And so like, are, like I mean, and so just think about that. If, if your neighbor is bothering you about music and you're too cowardly to say anything about it yourself, like you need to ask yourself, is it risk? Is it worth putting that person's life in danger? Do you really want that person dead because their music is a little bit too loud? Like calm down, right? And like just everything about this is so infuriating. And it speaks to how like, honestly pathetic, like a lot of people in the United States are that they're too terrified to talk to their neighbors in this way. Yeah, yeah, we will bring updates as they come. I do expect the video to be released soon. A neighbor, neighbors, they save, likely save a black man's life by responding in this way. Here's the first video. He's holding a phone. I have no weapon. This is a speaker. I don't have anything on me. Then walk to work. I don't have anything on me. I have nothing. What? She's not holding a gun. I'm afraid of the person. What are you talking about? We're much more scared of the police in this situation than this guy. Can you guys? These beautiful people they stood up, they saw what was happening, and they saw the potential of what could have happened. Then a bystander does something amazing. Here it is. I know I can't see anything either. Do you want you want me to walk up with you, man? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm gonna walk up with you, okay? Bro, I'm just getting on the ground. I'm not even walking anywhere, bro. They're aiming guns at me. And then the officers get the go ahead to leave and they retreat. Here it is. Cops had guns aimed at my brother. 
Y'all just tried to assassinate my brother, bitch. Talk about shots. All right, y'all gonna kill him, bitch. Walter. Walter. Let me tell you why these cops left. They left because they clearly saw the man they were about to assault or have adverse engagement with whatever they wanted to do. They left without that engagement because they clearly saw a community had his back. This is what happens when we are a coalition. This is what happens when we operate in a spirit of unity. This is what happens when we are more concerned about drawing circles rather than drawing lines. Let's put up the picture of that scene that could have ended in a completely different way. It was last Wednesday evening when reports of gunfire and shouting near 12th and Mercer in Seattle led to a tense face off between bystanders and East Precinct Seattle police. Taking aim at a young, unarmed, not involved, completely innocent, random black male. Thankfully, as the video shows, the officers decided to retreat. As bystanders gathered around the young man. Video of Wednesday's incident sent to CHS after it was recorded around 7 p.m. Shows four minutes of the short standoff as police took their position of the dark street and one officer aimed his rifle, commanding the upset subject to drop any weapon and get on the ground. The confused, the confusing scene continued with police yelling commands as concerned bystanders told the officers to back off. According to East Precinct radio updates, police had been dispatched to the area after 911 caller reported a gunshot and a second caller reported two shots along with somebody yelling, everybody's going to die. But people at the scene told police there was no shouting and no gun, only a young person in a yellow sweater upset and suffering a crisis. According to radio updates, officers at the scene reported bystanders were actively hindering their response and asked for permission to back down. We're going to go ahead and disengage one officer says, confirming the response found no victim and no shell casings in the area, only 20 bystanders with uh, with four surrounding the subject. Isn't that something? I didn't even know that kind of call existed. So literally a cop can call back to the precinct to say, hey, permission to stand down, too many community people out here. Now, if they were in a black neighborhood, they would have said, hey, permission to call in SWAT, the helicopter and everything we got. We got hostiles in front of us, there's more. The witness who contacted the Capitol uh, Hill Seattle blog said, I was told by one witness afterwards that the uh, precipitating incident had been with, um, had been the victim slapping the stop sign on the corner. That's it, the stop sign on the corner. The victim told me he had gotten into an argument, went outside to cool off. He was listening to music on his Bluetooth speaker, which is what the cops thought. Oh, that must be a gun, black man, something in his hand, gun, okay? 
He was terrified and sobbing when it was all over, I'm sure. It did not make his temporary crisis any better. Here's the report on the incident provided by SPD. Believing him to be possibly armed, they say. Police attempted to detain the subject by giving him verbal commands at a distance. The man ignored commands. As police were giving the man commands, multiple community members encircled the subject and attempted, attempted to obstruct officers' paths to approach the man while filming the incident. Now, can I say this? Um, that would have read completely different if those members of the community were not there. That could have read, um, we were in fear for our lives. We thought he had a gun. So we proceeded to engage the subject who refused to drop what we believe to be a weapon. Despite police informing citizens the man may be armed, the community members continued to interfere, they say, and became increasingly hostile based on the number of community members becoming involved and their unwillingness to comply with officers' commands. It became clear there was no safe means to detain the subject without unnecessarily endangering everyone that was now involved. Unable to investigate further, officers disengaged and left the area. Police found no evidence of a shooting at the original scene and no gunshot wounds. A wound victims were reported. Now, once again, they left because people in the community told them to get the hell on. I have never seen this before, not in communities that I'm in, never. Did not even know it was a thing. Uh, let's put him up, Seattle Chief of Police, okay? Adrian Diaz and East Precinct Captain Eric Sano. Buck stops with them. All right, Ben, thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, okay, reading the comments from the police department is honestly hilarious because they're like, they were obstructing us and they were hindering our ability to do this engagement. And like, come on, you were pointing a gun at a random innocent young man. Like, what 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 would have happened? Like, let's be real. Let's be real. Everybody that stepped up and like participated and then telling those cops to like stand down, I think it's very fair to say that they like almost definitely saved that young man's life. Oh, yeah. Because Literally, how many times have we seen people complying with police officers and they mm -hmm. still end up murdered, right? Like, so, like, literally, like, literally, kudos to everybody that stood up here. Yes. Because, like, fundamentally, like, I think this is something we're going to see more of because as people have been protesting for years, as people have been demanding accountability for years, I mean, literally, Atlanta has a Democratic City Council and they still put up Cop City. Who yep. are we supposed to vote for fundamentally? Like, and so we're at a point now where, like, Going out and keeping each other safe in this way is really like the only thing that a lot of people feel that they have access to. And it took a lot of bravery for those people, quite literally, to stand in the line of sight to make sure that innocent man didn't die for no reason. To those members of that community, thank you. Thank you. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.